Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast about helping you pursue your dreams without compromising your faith, your family, or your health. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Dr. James Wolf is going to join us from Arizona. Dr. James is a pastor and a psychologist who helps men face the most common spiritual struggles that they come across. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how fasting can help you get clarity on a spiritual level, and we're going to talk about the redemption that comes when you follow Christianity as a pursuit, not as a set of rules to follow. So whatever you're doing, go ahead and sit back and relax as we have this conversation with Dr. James. Here we go. All right. I have with me calling in from Arizona, Dr. James Wolf, and uh, got connected through a a connection in Christian podcast guest, a lady named Paula McDade, and uh, glad she connected us. Dr. James, how are you doing? Oh, I'm outstanding. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. The reason I definitely wanted to have you on the show is uh, you work as a, your day job basically is a pastor and um, you help people kind of navigate their spiritual waters. And uh, I just saw a sermon that you had done about um, like kind of the spiritual struggles we go through. And then there was another video I'd, I'd put on my queue on YouTube to watch about like struggles in marriage. And uh, so anyway, when Paul had, t- you know, kind of given me a rundown of what you do and what you talk about in your sermons, I was like, we, we got to have him on here. Yeah, we got to, ha- we got to have him on here. So I'm glad we've got the, uh, got you on, but tell us about the work you do. I think you're at what Chow, uh, I know your videos are Chow Church TV, uh, but is that also the name of your church or is that the ministry? Yeah. The name of the church is Carpenter's House of Worship, which is Chow, you know, uh, so it's a, it's an acronym. Child, the acronym. Oh, I mean, I, I like eating food, so when I saw that, I'm like, I'm I'm hungry. Let's let's do this. So, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm the assistant pastor here. Um, I did have my own church. Um, I closed it. Uh, when was it? In twenty, I believe it was. Tw- it was nineteen twenty nineteen of August of twenty nineteen. And the reason why I closed it because God told me to close it. And um, I was like, okay, we were doing all right. We weren't doing bad. And so I closed it. And then that's when COVID hit. And it was like perfect. I mean, I'm so glad I listened to him because it was like perfect timing, the way everything hit. And so now I'm assisting my pastor. And uh, uh, we have, you know, probably about five to 600 people who come and then online, you know, over, you know, a thousand plus that watch us online. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I assist with, um, I'm the director over what they call the movement ministry. So I oversee the men's ministry, women's ministry, the conferences, the youth ministries and, um, and the university. So I oversee all those. Something that just kind of stuck out of my mind just now. So you, you had it on your heart, close up shop. Yeah, August 2019. So pre pandemic. So it's not even like you could say, Oh, that makes sense. You know, pandemic hit. You had to shut down. Uh, you had to take this leap of faith that said, I need to let go of whatever's telling me to keep this open and, and close this. 
and then I'm going to go over here and take a step back from being like the senior pastor to an assistant or associate pastor. And now I'm running these periphery ministries within the church. And, you know, I think a lot of folks on the outside looking in would be like, well, his career is going backwards. Why? That's, that's stupid. But then I'm thinking about if, you know, and I'm probably speaking as a Christian on this one, but if you're thinking about the greater mission, the greater good, um, the church where you are now is a fuller ministry because it's not just sermons that are being done well. Now you got two leaders, one running the main service, the main sermons, and then you got another one running the periphery that disciples people and gets people deeper in their, their walk, their faith. And that's not something that would effectively be carried out if it was just your senior pastor. And so that's just not even a question. That's just right. like a little commentary, a little thing I just noticed. I'm like, you know, that's really cool. Like this, this way got paved. You took the leap of faith. You did it. The pandemic hits. And then the other thing, uh, the, the pandemic for a lot of folks and a lot of organizations, they saw their, um, consumption or their, their service levels drop. Uh, but because of the pandemic, almost every church in America was forced to go online if they wanted to keep sending the message out. And the numbers are way higher now. Yeah. More people checking out church because now there's, there's no pressure to, uh, get dressed up, show up and meet a bunch of strangers. I could just go online and, Hey, this guy's really neat. I, I like what he's saying. Hey, you know what? It is not yeah. the fire and brimstone message I grew up with. This is a totally different thing. This message of hope right? And a, a different way of life. I love this. And I, I just, you know, those things just stood out to me, but I think the question I now I'm finally landing my plane here with the question is, uh, I'm always curious about like how somebody got into the ministry as, as a, somebody in the clergy as a pastor. Uh, so was this always something you aspired for or what was life like before you went off to seminary or, or became a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> now we're going in some deep waters. <laughs> I don't write in. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I did not grow up in the church. Um, I knew very little about God, about Jesus. Uh, my grandparents were devoted Christian. Um, my mom said when I was younger, I used to hate going over there. And I told her, and she asked me why. And I used to tell her because I just don't like going over there. <laughs> so I, I, but I was a drug dealer. So wow. um, yeah. So being a drug dealer and, um, you know, doing drugs and all the stuff that I was doing, uh, that's why I didn't want to go over there because the, the spirit of God was there. <laughs> and so I didn't know that. You know, um, but I can tell you that um, I knew that I had a purpose to help people. I just didn't know what it looked like. Um, and then um, in 1986, um, I was faced with death. Somebody was about to kill me. And I prayed a prayer. I remember a little pamphlet. Do you remember the little um, brochures that they used to give out that says, this is my life? and and they would have all these different scenarios in yeah. there. And then at the end, they'd have a, a repentance. So I remember getting that book and reading it. And then I uh, that pamphlet and reading it and reading the back where the guy repented because he said, God, I'm sorry. And so I remember that. And I said, God, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Oh, uh, you made a deal. I didn't know what I was saying, saying but I said it and he did it. Yes. So now I had to hold up the end, my end of the bargain. And I've always been a man of my word, uh, even in the world before I was saved. If I said something, I carried it out. And so I gave my life to the Lord in 1988. 
Uh, I really got saved in 1986, but didn't really start living for God until 1988. And about three months into my salvation is when um, I heard the call that I was going to be a pastor. And it scared me to death. I did not know what that meant. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're coming out of this life of being a drug dealer and having like your life at stake. And now it's on your heart to become a pastor and lead people towards this life of faith, of living for Jesus. And wow. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so I start on, you know, after I hear God tell me this, uh, first, my sister tells me, she says, God told me that you're going to be a pastor. And I said, no way. And first of all, I can't get in front of people and talk. Second of all, I'm uneducated. I, I don't have any education. The only education I had underneath my belt was an associate's degree in business. So that was it. And so uh, I, I'm like, nah, I'm not doing so. Three months in, God speaks to me by, by myself and says, yes, I'm calling you as a pastor. So I took it serious. I started a three-day reg- uh, regiment of fasting and prayer every week. I would do that on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I did that for two years, almost two years straight. Um, and so I prayed. I said, God, I can't do this without you. And I need your wisdom and your understanding to be able to do this because without it, I'm not going. And so he gave me that wisdom and that understanding. And so I started pastoring in 1996. Wow. Yeah. Just eight years after that, that initial prompting. Yep. Yep. So uh, how did you know to go and do like a a time of fasting and and reflection? I know a lot of people just don't know to do that. It's not my go-to thing. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) It was laid on my heart. You know, it was laid on my heart to do it. And so, uh, yep. So I did that. Yeah. uh, And that's the thing with God, with me, I, I want to say that he does it with everybody, but I haven't heard it. But when he lays things on my heart, um, he knows I'm an executor. I'm a quick executor. And so sometimes he has to like prep me. Like if he doesn't want me to move on something, he'll prep me and say, okay, don't do anything, but I'm going to tell you, this is what's going to happen. Bam, 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 bam. This is what I want you to do. So then he'll prep me for it. Then it'll happen. And then I do what he tells me to. But yeah, so so when he called me to go and pastor, um, I felt immediately that I needed to uh, pray and fast. And I, and at that time, I didn't even know what fasting uh, did or, or even what it was about. I just heard people did it uh, because they were asking God, you know, for something or to do something. So when I studied out fasting, I actually found out what fasting really does. <laughs> and so when I found out what it really does, I said, okay, I absolutely need to do this. <laughs> absolutely. So, yep. So I started fasting and praying and here we are. Yeah. And this is different from like intermittent fasting to lose weight. This is a a very different purpose, a spiritual purpose behind it. Uh, what are some of the things that people can expect if they decided they wanted to do a fast for themselves? Well, um, there's several different fasts, fasting. And so um, the fast that I usually do is just water. Okay. And I do that for 24 hours. Um, so uh, I make sure it's a full day. I usually start the day before like at 12 a.m. Um, or even that that evening, like at 7 or 6 p.m. And then um, and then I'll fast until that next 6 p.m. or 12 a.m. OK. And so um, what you can expect 
Now, when you say that, are you are you asking spiritually or physically? Uh, both, actually, yeah. So, you know, what physically do you experience, and then what spiritually do you experience, especially at the end? Okay, so now the physical part, I'll talk with that first because um, that's kind of important. Uh, some people's bodies can't handle not having food, um, you know, and some people have to have certain foods at certain times. And so there's different kinds of fasts that people do. So they fast from food. And then there's some people that fast from meat and they just eat vegetables. Um, and then you have uh, uh, that, which they have a diabetic fast. I don't know what that incures, but there, there are things that people have for diabetics so that they could fast. Um, and then there's uh, uh uh, that the Daniel fast. Oh, I already said that. Mm-hmm. that. That was with all the, the all the uh, vegetables. So what you can what you can expect with your physical body is um, at the very first day, your physical body starts fighting uh, because it's saying, "I want food. I want food." Uh, and but uh, when you say no to that to your flesh, and your flesh starts first day is the hardest. The second day becomes a little bit easier, and the third day is really um, I, the longest I've ever fasted was seven days with just water. Oh wow! Um, and then I, yeah, I started feeling my body shutting down. It was crazy. Um, uh, yeah, and then I I fasted twenty one days, but that was with Daniel. Fast. Um, so spiritually, there's all kinds of things that happen when you fast spiritually. Um, I've had. Dreams, visions, um, heard God's voice talk to me. Um, I've gotten prophecies uh, where I prophesied to people and also people have prophesied to me. Um, And so uh, it really opens up the spiritual uh, world when you fast. Um, But the thing that I want to point out about fasting, because I think some people use fasting uh, in a in a wrong manner, mm-hmm. and I think they do it just not knowing. Um, and so, the Bible says that fasting is like a uh, like balling up your fist and giving a blow to wicked. Uh, fasting also breaks the yoke of of the of the enemy off of your neck or off of you. And so, so it's a breaking, um, and and it's a a blow or a punching unto wickedness, and and. To use fasting, you actually have to use fasting with faith. You just can't fast and pray and say, okay, this is going to work. Your faith has to work with that. So fasting is more of a faith-based thing than it is anything else. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. I know there's a scripture in there and I can't quote it exactly, but it's like, like, don't make a show of it either. It's like, it's, it's between you and God. Yes. 
That's exactly right. Yeah, it says don't wash, don't wash your face. Uh, you know, make it look like you're all on fasting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that that is a big challenge because it it I think that almost guarantees that it is for you to connect with God because it's it's not about the physical show anymore. It's about you know even define the physical. A desire for food because you can go a certain number of days without food and uh, right keeping hydrated and all that good stuff and um, so that I, I'm just amazed we went down that route. That's kind of cool. So um, yeah. So I mean, the chances are, person listening right now wanted to know about fasting and now they know. Uh, so there they yeah go. yeah. Uh, and it, it that that fasting that time of fasting for me also made me sensitive to his spirit. So I'm super spiritually sensitive. I can feel things and feel spirits. I can walk into people's houses and identify things. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's made me super sensitive. I know I tend to be sensitive to a prompting from God on my heart. And then of course, like a typical person, I'm like, ah, no, he didn't mean that. And then I move on and it's like, <laughs> wait, no, it's there again. Five days later. Okay. Nah, nah. He, he, you got the wrong Jerry. It's somebody else. Um, <laughs> So if there's anybody out there who's going to play the role of Jonah or um, Doubting Thomas, is it Doubting Thomas, Doubting Timothy, which one doubted? Yeah, it's Thomas. Yep, yeah. Doubting Thomas. Yeah. I, I could play that part perfectly. It's a, it, I'm, I shouldn't be proud of that, actually. <laughs> 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 Note to self, Jerry, stop being proud of that. Okay, got it. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just acknowledging it. That, that's all. That's all. Okay. Uh, now, I know the thing that I... Um, was really drawn to when, when Paula made the introduction between the two of us was that you do a certain amount of work with men's ministry and uh, encouraging men to live, you know, their best life, put the best foot forward, let go of the things that are kind of holding them back from being a, a good husband, a good father, just, you know, living out the purpose that they have. Um, what are, what would you say is probably the most common thing you see men struggling with in the work that you do? <laughs> the most common thing, and uh, it's every man's battle, and that's uh, sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so it's going to get a little graphic. <laughs> yeah, I'm already sweating. Like, okay, okay it's, it's going to get a little heated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the things that that men struggle with um, is uh is is fornication or masturbation if they're if they don't have anybody mm-hmm. um i don't even want to say it's adultery um because i don't think it's so much adultery uh, it's more of of that of that feeling on the inside that god has placed in us and so i've had men tell me i just want god to take it away no you don't <laughs> you don't want god to take it away what what you want is you want God to help you with this. Yeah. And so there's something in the Bible that piqued my interest when it came to this. And I tell every man that that comes to me and talks to me about, you know, that issue. And in the Bible, it says no temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to man. And so I prayed about that. And I was like, God, what are you talking about? What does that mean there? And he says, what's common is what I placed in. So what have I placed in you? I've placed in you to have sex. That's common. So you're going to be tempted in that way. But remember, I've given you an outlet over every temptation. So even though this temptation will overtake you because it's common, I've made a way out for you. So we as men have to see that way out every single time. 
it's almost like that denial that God is there with you to, to go through that struggle with you. And, um, yeah, I, I can, well, I guess, cause it's, it's a common battle. It's like every man's battle. Right. And so it's like, I, I've been there. It's like, yeah, it's, it's every man's battle. Also, you know, when, when we're, when, so with me, when I was faced with that and what helped me through it is I had, I pictured Jesus in the room with me yeah, or with, and when I did that, it was like, okay, I ain't going to do this in front of Jesus. Yeah, not if he's watching, no way. <laughs> really? Really, he's there anyway. He's just invisible. invisible. Yeah. You know, so, but I would just picture like, he's here. And so since he's here, you know, I'm not going to do any of that. Yeah. But but the bigger issue was just because he's there, I'm not going to do it. But what happens when he leaves? So so now, James, and I'm speaking to myself, it's more of a uh, a choice at this point. Now it's more of you choosing to do right or to do wrong. So now it comes a choice. So I help guys with that. And, and the first thing I tell them, I says, you know what? God saved you knowing every mistake, every problem, everything that you were going to do. He saved you knowing that. So if he saved you knowing that, don't you think that he's going to have provision for every mistake and every problem that you face? And when you tell them that, it's like, wow, I didn't think about it like that. Okay. So now that I've got you on that page thinking like that, now let's look at the solution. How can you get through this? It's not going to take place overnight. Um, so this is something that you have to put into practice. As you put it into practice, God helps you and your no gets bigger and bigger and bigger to where your no becomes an absolutely no. Yeah. I will not touch that. And so it helps you. And then, um, you know, reinforcing the why this is a big deal, you know, whether it's fornication or looking at pornography, um, because I, I hear guys commonly say, well, it's no big deal. It's just sex. You know, why, why be a prude? Why be such a Puritan about it? And it does have some impact, though, on ourselves as men, but also on our spouses. Um, is that something you can talk to? Like, have you seen the impact that, you know, sexual immorality has on, on a marriage, for example? Absolutely. So um, just to just to help you all out a little bit on some things. So um, I growing up, I didn't have a lot of sex. Um, and the reason why is because I was molested as a young kid. Um, I would think I was like five, you know, five, maybe six. And, uh, this went on for, uh, I would say probably six months, uh, to eight months, maybe a year. And then it, and then it just all of a sudden stopped. But when that happened, I looked at sex differently. So I didn't have a lot of girlfriends, um, uh, growing up, I had one girlfriend in high school and that lasted two weeks. So I don't even call that a date. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, um, so then when I give my life to the Lord, before I give my life to the Lord, I've only been with three women. So I didn't engage in that a lot, but I still had that feeling, that intense, um, sexual feeling and drive. I still had that. And, um, I just prayed and asked God to help me through that. So, uh, so what happens is when people engage in sex early, there's there's a couple of things that happen. It causes your uh, mental or your uh, cognitive uh, or uh, we have the frontal lobe here. It causes it not to grow um, the way that it's supposed to grow. It stunts its growth. 
And so uh, because sex, what it does is sex, it's like a euphoria and it dumps things. It dumps chemicals onto your body, but it's supposed to wait for your body to grow up to be able to receive those chemicals. So when those chemicals get dumped early, it causes a stunt of growth in other areas, especially in the brain. So with that being said, um, people who engage in that, it causes that in their cognitive. Then we get what's called soul ties. And I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, what we get soul ties, but the biggest thing that happens is the endurance, the endurance and the drive. So when you engage in sexual activity early, you're using up that endurance and that drive at that time. So now you are at your thirties and you're with your wife and you guys have been married for five, 10, 15 years. And all of a sudden your drive's gone. You're like, what the heck's going on? And the reason why your drive is gone is because of using it up early. How I know this is because I asked the doctor about me because mm-hmm. my drive is crazy. It's, it's just crazy. <laughs> I'm 54 years old and my drive is just crazy. And so I asked the doctor about that. And he says, well, when you were younger, did you engage in sex? I says, I didn't. He says, that's why. He says, the less that you used it, uh, the more that it saved for, for when you got married, then your drive would kick in. And boom, there it is. And that's exactly what happened. I got married and my drive just, and it hasn't stopped. <laughs> nice. You know, and I got married at 24. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> so 30 yeah, years. So um, with that. I said 30 years. Yeah. 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 So, well, well, my wife just recently passed away in 2016. Uh, she, she had contracted uh, uh, cancer. She had contracted. She had con- got uh, cancer, colon cancer. And, um, and that's another miraculous story that if we have time, I'll tell you about it. But yeah, so, um, so yeah, so, so that's the thing that, that I see that I deal with with men is ED, um, and which is erectile dysfunction. Um, that and their drive. Now, the erectile dysfunction, I, I believe, comes from um, uh, engaging in um, pornography. And, and, and masturbation, because uh, when your body gets used to that and now you have the real thing, your body's like, I don't recognize this uh, and I'm not I'm not turned on, but I am turned on. by what I see over here, this visual aid, the masturbation part. So I have to deal with that part with you guys. So um, uh, and, and that's it's very, very common. It, it, it was surprisingly common. Uh, I was really surprised to see how common that was with men uh, who have a problem with ED because of pornography. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, because pornography, you, you almost get right to the chase. There's no buildup. There's no foreplay. There's no uh, emotional connection, really. It's just like, fast forward. Oh, there it is. Boom. There we go. That's right. exactly right. Done. You know, it's just like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, wow. that's exactly right. And, and that and that hurts men because now when you get into a marriage, you're wanting to go right into it, and the woman needs to be warmed up. Yeah. And so one of the things that I teach men is if you are planning to have sex with your wife that night, then you start that morning. And what you do is you start by, "Hey, sweetheart, how you doing, baby? Love you. You want me to get you something?" 
So you're you're buttering her up all day and getting her prepared and ready. And she doesn't know that that's what's happening, but that's what you're doing with it. Yeah. And then you turn it up when you get home from work. Turn it up by the touch or, you know, her love language, whatever her love language is. You start catering to that. And then when it comes time to say, hey, babe, would you like to make love? She's ready because you didn't you didn't wooed her all day long. Yeah. So that's what I tell men to do. Yeah. And if you're walking in the door and you're expecting some like music to play in the background and instantly start having sex, then what Dr. James just said applies to you. <laughs> it's like, cause that's not real world. Real world takes time. It takes motion, takes connection and takes effort. And, uh, you know, that, that is very important to, to keep in mind. So then somebody who is used to that, they're used to that pornographic mindset, um, mm-hmm. what are some practical steps they can start doing to rebuild that emotional connection with their spouse? Cause chances are they've disconnected in some way and they've kind of fallen into this rut. Right. So the first thing that they need to do is of course repent. Uh, but the second thing that they need to do is have an accountability partner. If they're married, I would suggest that they have their, uh, w- that they be accountable to their wife, but they have an accountability partner who's a man. Mm-hmm. So that they could talk to them with men, men issues, you know, that, that they're struggling with. Um, but uh, when it comes to the wife and being accountable to your wife, what that looks like is she has access to everything. She has access to your phone, uh, to all of your uh, emails, all of your passwords uh, everywhere. And, and, and if she says, I want to see it, you let her see it. Yeah, That's being accountable. Yeah. Uh, and and you're completely open. If she questions you about anything, where you've been, what you've done, any of that, then, then being accountable is being honest and saying, yes, this is where I did. This is where I've been. And so. Uh, so, yeah. So that's that's one. Uh, that's one step. Yeah. Um, another step is uh, after getting an accountability partner is you have to put some steps in for yourself. So there's some things that God tells us to do. Uh, that he doesn't do. And one of the things that Jesus says is he says, renew your mind. Okay. God doesn't renew our mind. We have to renew our mind. What God renews in us is our spirit. So what we have to do is we have to renew what we've been addicted to. So we have to change our addiction. So if our addiction was pornography, I have to change an addiction from pornography to either reading or church or God or sport. Or you, you just focus that addiction elsewhere because we are by nature uh, addicted. We have an addicted nature. Every single human being, we have an addicted nature. It's just where that addiction is focused on. Yeah. Nice. Uh, going back to the first point, which was around, um, oh, shoot, Jerry. <laughs> My mind went blank. Uh, so second point, I love it. I'll start there and then my mind will come back to the first point. Uh, so the second one around, you know, renewing your mind. I mean, it's, um, it's like the second episode in a row. I'm bringing yeah. this up. It's like when you kick a demon out of your house, you got to fill it in with good stuff. Otherwise right. that demon's coming back with a bunch of buddies. And, uh, so that I definitely see where it's like, okay, if I'm going to get this out of my life, pornography, then I need to fill it in my mind with other content, other, other sources of information. And uh, exactly. Yeah. And so that's huge. And, um, 
And the first point that the first point was uh, an accountability partner. Yes, that's right. Uh, I was going to just in a moment of vulnerability share like, you know, I was exposed to pornography when I was uh, seven years old. Uh, And I think I saw my first pornographic movie when I was like nine or ten. Uh, it was like, you know, I was an, I was an army brat. So, uh, if, if our dad was a soldier, there was a stash somewhere and it was just a matter yeah. of finding out where the stash was. And, you know, on, on a day that, you know, dad's got 24 hour duty and mom's out shopping. Hey, invite all the buddies over. Let's watch this together. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just a shock. I was like, what, what's happening to her? Why is this? What? No, she's screaming. <laughs> no. Uh, Why so, are they doing that? Yeah, so it was traumatic. But then oddly enough though, at nine years old hooked. You know, and, um, gosh, I don't know how long it's been now, but, um, you know, at one point I think I was definitely in my thirties and, um, you know, my, my wife had found out that I was looking at it and, uh, it was the devastation it had on her. Not the first time she found out about it, but like the second time she found out about it after I had promised I'll never look at this again. Right. And, you know, she, she found out I was still looking at it and I was like, okay, we got to draw a line in the sand because I obviously promised last time didn't happen. It, it hurt her so much, you know, that one, it was something that was being hidden from her, but two, she thought I was comparing her to these models, um, and to these movies. And it was something she just couldn't live up to. And, um, and so we came across a program called covenant eyes and that's been on every device mm, I own I know since. That. Yeah. And, uh, so she, you know, she's one of the folks who gets the reports, uh, every week about, Jerry's activity on his phone, Jerry's activity on, on his computer. And if there's any other device I own, it goes on there first thing. And I loaded up with her present only she knows the password. So if I uninstall, she gets a little text message that says, Hey, Jerry's uninstalling this from, from his device. And so I get a phone call. Hey, you trying to uninstall something? I'm like, yeah, um, it says I have to, to, I'll just wait till we're home. You know, just, <laughs> Cause, I mean, the first couple of times it was like, I'm going to bypass this. And then, you know, she got the text message. I'm like, Oh, that, that, this is kind of awkward. And, uh, but now like if, if I ever uninstall it, it's like, okay, to install this other program, I got to install. Nope. That's, I'm going to wait till my wife's present. Then we're installing this new software together and right. all that. And so there's like a process that has to go into play. And then it's not just her though. Like, um, my best friend who, uh, was also one of the hosts on this show for the longest time. In fact, this was his show until he hung it up. Uh, Brandon, he's the other accountability partner. So, you know, he's an associate pastor and he's heard people give him baloney for years. And right, so right. he gets that report every, every Thursday, I think it is. And, you know, and he'll, he'll question he'll like, Hey, what, what is this link here? I'm like, I'm not clicking on that. You click on that. <laughs> but I mean, initially though, <laughs> the, the first two or three years, I mean, there were legit things that they had to call me out on. And I was like, and I had to accept this program works. And, um, you know, having those conversations with my, my best friend and then also with my wife, those were challenging and, and to work through that. And for them, especially for my wife to have the, the patience, the forgiveness for me to navigate through this, um, I, I just commend her for that. I mean, that above and beyond anything I feel I deserve, that's for sure. And and glad right. that she has. And, um, you know, just, I think it's, it's definitely made me a better man, you know, cause I'm much more honest with my wife. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that being able to, you know, not be bound by that is huge. Uh, the, the pornography. And then life. the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just the yeah. freedom of it, you know? Yeah. Cause yeah. I've been there. <laughs> Oh yeah. It just, 
Yeah, being able to, I, I think I like it now, like when the report, once in a very blue moon, there's like something that pops up. I'm like, I wasn't even home when that happened. Oh, now we have conversations with the kids. Like, all right, which one of you was on the home computer at <laughs> eight o'clock on a Wednesday night? Because dad wasn't even in town. So uh, let, let's talk. And so we're, we're able to navigate those waters. And uh, right. um, it, 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 very powerful. Like in the last 10 years or so, Covenant Eyes has gotten better at what it does, not worse. And uh, probably the best. How much did that cost? Was, uh, that, was, it, was that an expensive cost? I think at the time it was maybe ten dollars a month, and if anything, wow. it's like fourteen ninety five now. Um, now there's worse things I could spend fifteen dollars on every month. <laughs> Come on now, yeah, That's right. And, Come on, and so it's just, I mean, mm-hmm. for me to give my wife that peace of mind, to give myself that accountability, that easily. $15 a month well spent. Um, I, hope, yes. I hope that helps somebody. I, that's, that's why I needed. I just, I just had like the number one sitting on my lap and you know, when you finished points one and two, I was like, all right, I, it was important. Number one's important. Why was it? I'm glad you were able to jog my memory there, but uh, yes, I'm was, glad you said that. Cause yeah. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to use that covenant eyes. I forgot all about that, but yeah, I'm going to use that now. Yeah. It's just uh, powerful. Um, yeah, especially when it you know tracks down what you've been working on on your your phone. It's like, oh snap, that's that's important. And then uh, you know, yep. same thing, accountability with you know. Uh, I know some people freak out when you know my wife has the power to kind of just take a look at my phone and uh, and she doesn't abuse it. It's not like a controlling thing. It, it's actually something I offered up to her that at any given moment you, you can right. ask for it or I, I'll hand it to you and there you go. And so it's, that must be a big thing uh, about the phones and men with their phones because um i'm dating uh someone right now and um she came over to my house and i have my phone up on my tv and we were watching a movie from my phone on my tv and then i got a text and when the text came in of course it uh it paused the movie and then the text came up so then i started answering the text and she just looked at me with her mouth open and i'm like what and she said you are the first man that I've ever met that let me look at their text messages and phones. Wow. And I said, what? Really? Yeah. She goes, yeah, men don't do that. Wow. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I ain't got nothing to hide. She says, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of a two-way street. I mean, I know from my work when uh, I was, I used to work as a community educator for a battered women's shelter. Um, and I know one of the tactics that would be used by an abuser is, you know, demanding the other person show his or her phone. And, but it was right. always, and the difference there is it's a it's a one way street. It's a no. You show me your phone. You show me who you're texting. You show me who you're calling. But it was never the other way back. And uh, mm. um, but it was also demanded. Not like in right. my case, I offered it to my wife. Like, hey, you know, this is inspectable. You know, we were both in the army, so we understood the idea of like inspectable items. So right. My phone was a twenty four seven battle buddies. <laughs> yes, exactly. So my phone was an inspectable item at all times, and I offered that to her and and to my friend Brandon. So either one of those at any time can say, "Hey, just random spot check. Let's see your phone." Um, but then also, yeah, same thing. You know, just being willing to take a call there or take answer a text message in front of everybody it's it's when i mm-hmm. disappear with the device that's where it's like all right hey what are you doing over there who, yeah, who was that go? <laughs> yeah or hey who are you texting and and uh you know if i hesitate on answering then it's like okay now what's going on and yeah so I, I don't hesitate it's like well text and work or i'm on facebook and then i'll just show all my right. screen so yeah. hey jerry you know what i like about you man what's that is that 
is that you are are just upfront and honest about things that you've gone through. Oh yeah, that's that helps people. You know, one of the things I think that the church has hurt itself tremendously, um, and that is hiding what we go through and hiding the the um, the trials and the tribulations and uh, you know the the uh, temptations. Yeah. You know, even the failures, you know, that we people need to hear that because because when I was growing up, I always thought Christians were perfect. Yeah. <laughs> they don't go through nothing. Right. And now and, and now that I've studied, Jesus says, if you don't suffer, you're not even part of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, OK, so I have to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Or at least admit it. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> people are shocked. They're like, well. You're Christian. How could you go through? I'm like, I'm human. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I have this exactly. faith, but I'm also human. And uh, yeah, it helps. I think, what was the eye opener for me? I think it was learning first aid and that the majority of people who die choking do it privately. It's like they could be at a table with a group of people choking on a piece of food. And rather than tell people I'm choking and have this moment where a little bit of embarrassment, but they're saved, they go off to the bathroom and they collapse and die. And something about wow. that, yeah, something about that stands out of my mind. And then just looking at my own life growing up, um, I could see where going through an embarrassing moment or what I thought was an embarrassing moment saved either my life, saved somebody else's life, or uh, just made life better, you know, after after the healing is done. Uh, versus if I hold on to this, it festers, it grows, and, you know, a relationship ends somebody gets hurt. Uh, and I just, yeah, somewhere found that if I'm just open and let people know, this is me, this is what I go through. It, it almost invites the other mm. person to say, yeah, you know what? Me too. And, um, and I mean, sometimes I can't share a struggle somebody's gone with, but I can at least appreciate that they've gone through it and, and not be like judgmental about yeah. it or anything. So, uh, it's like your own story. Like you were a drug dealer before you were a pastor. I'm like, that is freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> cause you know, we, we expect that every pastor was born a pastor and it's like, no. And you know, it's like, I, I remember running into somebody who, uh, I'm not Catholic, but I was going to a service that was a Catholic mass. And there was a guy just standing outside the doors, hesitant to go inside. And he was clearly a family member of where we were going to. And uh, he just asked, like twice, is this the church? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, it is. All right. I'm supposed to see some kind of ceremony or some, it's called a mass. I'm like, oh yeah. Is, is it for so-and-so? Yeah, it is. Well, follow me. And he stopped at the doors. Can I go in? And I looked at him and I, I go to a non-denominational church. So like I wasn't bound by any like rituals or anything. And I'm like, I don't see why not. He goes, well, can I go dressed like this? I'm like, you're more dressed up than I am. I'm like, yeah, come on in. He goes, <laughs> I'm a sinner. I'm like, so am I. Let's go. <laughs> Come on in. And he's like, wait, wow. but I haven't repented wow. or anything. I'm like, well, we'll work on that when we're in there. You know, it's like, come on. It's, it's cool. He's like, I won't burst into flames. And I almost laughed. Wow. And I realized he was serious. He, he, it was a strong conviction in his heart. This, uh, belief in a falsehood that if he walked to those doors as a sinner, he was going to burn and go to hell. And I was like, I, I assure you, as somebody who's probably done some similar stuff to you, I don't know what you've done. 
you will not burst into flame if you walk through these doors. And of course, wow. the joker in me, like in the back of my head is like, unless God wants you to, but I'm like, don't say it. <laughs> nope. That's a joke. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. This guy is honestly freaked out about this. So I, I kept that one to myself, but uh, he came in and he saw his family and you just see this weight lifted off his shoulders. Right. And the family excited that he showed up because they didn't think he was going to arrive, but he was just outside for like, who knows how long. And wow. yeah convicted and concerned that he was going to burst into flame walking through those doors. Um, Man. And I think we as Christians, we definitely need to like, yeah, just let go of the, I'm holier than thou, or I'm perfect. Look at me and I'm better than you. Like, I think that's the first thing we need to let go of is yeah. that. And I think the one thing that's disarmed the most people to accept at least the Christian faith and have a better attitude towards Christians is to see another Christian just say, I, I'm so not perfect. Um, I'm just as busted up as you are and probably went through a worse yep. life. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I feel happier and more honest yeah. when I live that way too. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't have to remember Absolutely. what, yeah. Like I don't have to remember what, what's the facade I put up in front of this guy. Like if I just present who I am, then I don't have to think about it. You know, you, you get That's me exactly right. every time. So that's yeah. how I don't Thank see you. how guys can go through doing adultery, man. Yeah. I mean, I barely take care of my wife <laughs> and keep all my story straight, you know, and then have another one. Man, couldn't do it. Let, let's just say I am too darn cheap for two things. One, I'm too darn cheap to have a second relationship. Just not going to happen. And I'm even more cheap to have a divorce. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, this, so this is what I would like to leave the men um, so that, you know, God has placed us here as leaders, and, and I thank him for that. But he's given us women, which, you know, the one we choose to be our wife, to be our helpmate. And what I tell the men is that they are co-leaders. They're not to be behind us um, or in front of us. You know, they're right next to us. Uh, you know, helping us lead. And so um, women have it built in them, uh, which we've heard it called the worldly uh, connotation for it is um, women's intuition. Mm -hmm. But the uh, biblical um, connotation for it is discernment. Yeah. And women have a discernment that is impeccable. They, they know. It's just they had, they know. So men, ask your wives. I'm telling you, I bounce things off of my wife. Well, when she was alive, I bounce things off of her all the time. Now I bounce things off of women that I trust. You know, I'll say stuff, stuff you know, or, or call my mom and say, hey, mom, what do you think about this? Uh, because they have that intuition. Not only that, women can think with both sides of their brain. At the same time, where men can't, we can only think with one side at a time. Uh, most men, some men yeah. can't think uh, with both sides. And so with that being said, when they look at a scenario, they're looking at five different ways that scenario can come, you know, come to pass or could happen where a man doesn't look at it that way. So that's why I say bounce things off of them because they're looking at it five different ways. Yeah. And so another thing that I would um, encourage men to is um, if you are married, let, let me talk to the single guys. If you're not married and you want to get married, prepare yourself to be married. And so how do you prepare yourself to be married is right now you're acting as though you're married. 
So that means your eyes are not wandering. You're not talking to every fine woman, you know, beautiful woman. You know, you're not uh, uh, causing yourself to be a lust item, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, women will look at you lust. And so you're already preparing yourself. So then when you meet her and you've already got this, this focus of I'm focused on you, you can, that's going to impress her like crazy. Uh, and then secondly, uh, it'll keep her secure. So when women feel insecure, that's when they take the lead. So when you see a woman that's leading a house, it's because she was insecure somewhere in that relationship. Yeah. And so, um, so women have to take that. So, so men, I would just suggest that women need security and, and they're looking for you. They're looking at you as a security. Um, and so, of course, God being our security. Now, here's another tidbit. And this is a spiritual law. If a man is not submitting to God, the woman will not submit to the man. It's a spiritual law. So I wanted to leave that with them. Now, if people want to reach out to you and, and watch your sermons or just connect with you, uh, have you speak at an event, where's the best place for them to go? Well, we have several um, uh, ways that they can. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this up here. So we have um, the Carpenter's House of Worship. So you can find us, uh, uh, and it's called the Chow Church on YouTube. Uh, so just search Chow Church. Uh, we're also on fa- Facebook. Chow Church or Carpenter's House of Worship, um, and you can uh, look up their sermons. We have all of our sermons on there. Um, I usually preach every Wednesday, um, and then I also do a Young Adults every Friday. Right now, we're doing the date, uh, dating, courting, and marriage series, um, and so we're almost done with that. Uh, so we're on the marriage part now, um, um, and then also um, if they want to reach out um, on my um, on my Facebook, which is Dr. James Wolf, uh, spell my last name W O L F E, um, or on my email, which is P J A Wolf at gmail.com, or Dr. James Wolf official at gmail.com. And so, either you didn't get a hold of me, either way, either one of those. And then also, I wanted to do this plug in. Can I? Yes, I go for it. In? Go for it. Yes. So my book, so uh, this book, I just wrote this book and it's called The Making of a Disciple. Um, And uh, it just went online um, on April 1st. Uh, So you could get it at uh, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. And I just found out they're selling it at Target and I never even asked them to sell it, but they're selling it at Target uh, as well. Yeah. So and then I'm also on YouVersion. Uh, the oh, Bible app. Yeah. Yeah. They hit me up. And so I have a seven day devotional from this book um, on um, making a, the making of a disciple and just been getting um, I think we aired it last week and we've already had 3000 hits. Oh, wow. 3000 subscriptions. We're about to get 3001 yeah. right here. So <laughs> pulling up you version. <laughs> yes. Amen. I love the Bible app. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Look me up, yep, on you version the Bible app, and it's the making of a disciple. And if you want to purchase the book, you can just go on Amazon and look it, look it up, uh, the making of a disciple by Dr. James Wolf, and um, it's a really good book. Um, um, I have my pastor; he said it's a really good book, and other pastors have told me it's a really good book. So, 
Praise God. Nice. And there I go. Start plan. Uh, I should I should invite friends on this, but so far I'll start for myself. Make it visible to friends. There, I'm in. And then I'll be getting that book later today. Super. All right, Doctor James. Oh man, it was awesome to have you on. Uh, I think we've taken the show probably the boldest direction we've taken it in six years. So I'm I'm excited. <laughs> Amen. Well, Jerry, I loved being on your show, man, and uh, feel really good about it. Man, I just I just love this feeling. I love the topic. Love talking about God. And thank you so much for having me on here. And all of you that were listening, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. God bless. Now, some of the takeaways in this episode included the value of fasting and bringing clarity in your spiritual journey. How Dr. James's own story is the perfect example of redemption when we're talking about the Christian faith. And we even covered some of the most common struggles Christian men face today. Now, the best way you can share um, your thanks with us is to share us with somebody else. Now, the best thing you can do is to share this episode with someone else. So, however you're listening to this episode, there is a share button that will allow you to do just that. So go ahead, take a moment, hit that share button, and forward this episode to someone you were thinking about the entire time you were listening here. Also, you can check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 272. There you'll find links to more resources from Dr. James, as well as some other episodes that relate to this one. Now, I'm so glad you joined me this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.